Hey, this morning, I'm really excited to share this word. It is a prophetic word, a stirring in my heart, and I, I hope to get to land it well. And I have an aid with me in case the word doesn't, you know, when you're sharing, you feel like you want to release it fully in case I feel like it's not landing well, I'm going to use this. So buckle up and get ready. The title of this morning's message is God's Agrarian Design. <clears throat> and um, I'm not a green thumb. All green thumbs, raise your hand. Raise up both your thumbs. Let's see you, who, where you are. I know some of you. Thank you. Thank you for being who you are. But God is the greatest agrarian. He is the greatest master planter. And if you read scriptures through that lens of the, the lens of like farming and agriculture, you'll realize you'll get a better, a greater sense of the nature of God that we may miss even in the reading. And so our, the history, our story begins with God forming his own likeness in Adam and then Eve and putting them in the midst of a garden. Think about it. If it was, be honest, if it was you or I, any of us wanting to show his, this God image on the earth, wouldn't we build like the biggest castle, the most multidimensional experiential castle or structure, you know? But God makes a garden and puts them right in the middle of it. Genesis 2, 8 and 9. And it says, and in the middle of this garden was the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The language here is really, really important for us to understand the desire of God, the design of God in cultivating such a garden. Like the first many days of creation was set to, you know, he separated the, the heavens and the earth and uh, day and night and gave us rhythms of life. He gave us seasons to experience, created all the living things that we see around us, created a garden. And then in the middle of that, he puts Adam and Eve, gave us a way of life, set up natural laws, all in the solar system and within the earth by which they were to live and thrive and have their, their livelihood in that way. But in the center of that garden, it says he planted two fruit-bearing trees, and one tree was a tree of life, and the second tree was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as we know, those trees, hindsight, we know those two trees kind of stand in contrast to each other, right? They weren't allowed to eat of one, but they were allowed to come to the other one. Now, if there were in contrast, if there was a tree that was set up, planted in contrast to the tree of life, you would think that that tree would be called the tree of death. But it wasn't called the tree of death. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't the tree of death. Neither was it the tree of sin. It wasn't the tree of unrighteousness. It wasn't even the tree of evil, but it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of that, he says, don't partake. But of the tree of life is what God's design was for us. In the midst of all the natural laws that he set up for them to live and operate and have their, have their life, he said, you need to come and be, be, align yourself and identify yourself with the tree of life and not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
This is really, I want to leave that on, a, on pause because that's a part B message. Hopefully, maybe next time I'm up, I'll continue on that thought. And so this agrarian theme is so prolific in scriptures that if you read it with that perspective, it reads much like a Georgic book. And a Georgic book is simply a text that's written that describes all, all, everything to do with agriculture and farming. I'll, I'll just say some words that are from scriptures. I just, when I was preparing, I did this in like a minute in, and I had, came up with this. So this is not exhaustive, but you can kind of identify, hey, I've heard that. In, that's in scriptures. That's in scriptures. It's all through scriptures. The land, seed, sowing, reaping, pruning, grafting in, the vineyard. And John was talking about the, the last expression of Jesus, I am the vine. The shepherd, green, he leads me beside green pastures, cedars of Lebanon, oaks of righteousness, acacia wood, tree planted by rivers, the cross itself, Lord of the harvest, on and on and on. And this is just like a 30 seconds of thought to it. Throughout scriptures, you see this agrarian theme of God in the text. And in the middle of it, one of the prophetic books, Amos 9 13 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. You see, this is a, this is, if you read this text, it really in the natural understanding of what God has already said in an agrarian way of life, this prophetic text does not make sense to a traditional farmer because this is saying, as you're sowing seed, you're going to come upon harvest already. As you're planting grape seeds, you're going to come up on, your feet are going to be threshing, you know, grapes to make into wine already. And Charles and I were talking, there are different interpretations of how this overlap of the plowman and the reaper and the, sow, the one who sows seeds and one who threshes the floor happens. Regardless of how it happens, this prophetic word is speaking to us today. And I want to speak this over us as a church. What it is saying is that there are going to be more than the natural ways of expectation, God's going to accelerate what he wants to do in our midst. While you're sowing, perhaps you will come upon the fruit that is to be harvested. While you're harvesting, another explanation is while you're harvesting, the, the harvest is so plenty that you keep harvesting and it's the next season to sow seed, but you are still harvesting. No matter which way you look at it, there is an acceleration and an abundance that we are coming into. And I want to speak this over us in this season. We are in a season of acceleration. And if you were here uh, a week or so ago, we had a, a good friend of Charles who visited us from Korea, Dr. Hong. And we were in the theater. Who was there for that session in the afternoon? Beautiful. He, he, he talked about a dream he had of a song that, that was intercessory for their election period in, in, uh, in South Korea. And, and he was traveling through the States now wanting to impart that same grace that was on him through those songs. And all of that was wonderful. And in the middle of that, he says, I have a word for Life Center. And he said, there are three inheritances in Life Center. And the first inheritance is the inheritance of the Jesus people movement. 
And we have in our midst our beloved pastors, Charles, our, our, our hippie pastors, Charles and Anne, who lived through that season and grabbed a hold of God. And they, and they were transplanted to Pennsylvania and have created a garden for us. And many like us who have come and gone. Anyone else who's part of that Jesus movement? Come on, put your hands up. Don't be shy. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. So that was the first inheritance. The second inheritance, he said, it was the inheritance of the blessing of the Toronto renewal. Hands up again. Show of hands. If you were part of that, there may be even overlap. That's the second inheritance. I see you, Holly. And the third inheritance is, he said, is the inheritance of transformation. And it piqued my interest when he used the word transformation. You see, when we begin something, when we enter into new eras and when we enter into new phases and new scenes and landscape for our life, we may not know the full picture, but if we are, have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Lord is speaking and doing, we immerse ourselves fully into the partial knowledge of what he's doing. Peter said, if it's you, call me to come out. He didn't even know. It was not a theologically sound moment for him to step out on the water. Jesus said, it's me. And Peter was already taking the first few steps in water. It's that moment for us that we are called to participate in the divine nature of God, even when we see it and understand it only partially. His requirement of our participation is not partial, but it is full. We fully participate in the partial sense that we get in what God is doing. So I want to speak this over us. That we're entering into a third inheritance. It's the inheritance of transformation. And it piqued my interest because, and I want to share by way of testimony and a, um, by way of report, things that I have been, my hands have been stewarding in the last year and a half or so. We started about a month ago, we launched a new network here in our community called Clear River Entrepreneurs Network. And our friend Jeff Joaquin, who was here in the first service, helped us identify language and help us create a vision statement after six months of whiteboard after whiteboard. I love whiteboard act conversation because it's creative and you're exploring till you find that, ah, that's, that's the right thing. Jolene, you can identify. You lead these sessions a lot. And we came up with a simple phrase for this entrepreneur's network, we are together to transform. So when he said the third inheritance is transformation, I'm like, I'm in it. I'm already in it, in part, in my sphere of influence. Does that make sense? I'm already participating, and I say yes to more of what we don't see yet. And when we participate with God, Charles was talking about the, the desire to discipline uh, to delight, that delight, that space of delight can be accelerated in our lives because of the grace of God that brings us into things that are bigger than us, that are greater than our, than our own abilities. And it's not, the focus is not us. The focus is God, I'm available to you. Hineni, here am I, send me. It's not in the qualification. It's in the wholehearted availability. Thank you, Lord. That was the report of Joshua and Caleb. They have followed me or obeyed me fully. So we have this, we're starting, we're meeting in the Jordan week after week after week, eight months in, nine months in, we're still wrestling with language. We should be probably doing something, but we're not yet. We're still seeking and asking. 
But because of the grace of God, I get an email during that time, mid last year, through a friend of a friend who is one of the editors of Charisma magazine. And he says, hey, I don't know you, but you were referred to me. We have an, we have, we, uh, would you write an article about what God is doing next? And I said, I would be honored to do this. You know, Charisma magazine, they have like a print magazine. And then they have the online magazine, which there are like hundreds of columns that you write for. And it'll probably be tucked away if hardly anyone sees it. So I thought that would be me. I'm not known, that, you know, known name in that way. So I wrote faithfully. And I asked the Lord, should I like stir up a prophetic gift and prophetic sense of what it should be and prophesy over the nation of what I see happening, thus says the Lord kind of thing. And I heard the Lord said, no, write about what you, th- you are involved in, what you see God doing in this context and believe that it could be a model for the whole nation. So what I wrote about, I'll show you this, the, the, put up that picture. That's the article in last December's print edition. If he would have told me it was going to be a print edition, I probably would have sent this article to Charles and John and Dawn and had them all help me with great, better language and edit it better. But uh, when, I, when someone sent me, I think it was Abby or someone else that sent me, hey, I, I saw the, your article, I almost peed my pants for real. I'm like, oh no. I quickly went back to my text because I didn't have it yet. I could, I'm like, what did I write? This is in, <laughs> you can't remove it. Anyway, part of it, go to the next slide. Part of that passage is, I have a keen awareness of a new convergence of influence, a new collaboration of entrepreneurs, ministry leaders, and kingdom-minded legislators. Gone are the simple old political tensions of ideologically different parties. We have plunged head-on into a nationwide battle between good and evil. And I feel what I see the Lord doing next, and I'm participating in it in part but fully, is this new convergence of three groups of people here in Harrisburg. And I'm praying into it that he would gather together, he'll open the doors and navigate into gathering key apostolic fathers of the city, key business leaders from different industries, and key spirit-filled, faith-filled, Christ-centered legislators that together we have conversation in Asking the Lord for counsel, what are the laws that we want to put to place into place for the blessing of our city and our state, being the capital of Pennsylvania? Come on. And that's part of our prophetic destiny as well. There's a prophetic key, prophetic word that laws will be changed by what goes on here in this house. Maybe this has a part to play in it. And all of a sudden, what we were planning in this Jordan room, week after week after week, wrestling through language, all of a sudden, it's in Charisma magazine, and it goes through all of their publication around the world. When God's in it, that acceleration happens so quickly, you don't have to work it out. You don't have to make it happen. You come into the grace of the delight of God for that season for us. And then last month, I was, in, I was invited, our good friend Dave, uh, who moved here recently, invited us to a, a, a meeting in Lancaster, and the vi- executive vice president of Morningstar Ministries um, with Rick Joyner, he was a guest speaker. <clears throat> and towards the end of his speaking, he says, hey, I've, I recognize you. I know you, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, you don't know me because I just Googled your name yesterday. <laughs> and he says, no. And then he kept talking. And then, then he gets his phone out again. And he says, my, are you part of Kren? Does, are, you, are you involved in Kren? I'm like, yes. Kren is the entrepreneur's network. And he says, my assistant sent me this, 
the, this link to, to your promo video, which we had our team did, and we had just put it out online like a couple of weeks ago. God took that promo video to the executive vice president of Morningstar Ministries, who was also one of the executive leaders of a national businessmen's community. Thousands of people who are part of this community. They're hosting an event in D.C. They've invited us to come and be a part of it. You see, you can design and plan those things. But when you see in part, you full on, you sell your house and all of your dreams and desires and you enter into it fully. Two years ago, I would tell you that business community has nothing to do with my life. But when I, I feel the scent of God around me, I'm on it. That's just a way that we've, Sarah and I were kind of getting choked up about 20 years looking back. And we've lived this, we've, cult, we've, we've cultivated a way with our children to respond to the Lord. We will risk it all. At the, at the, at the, even at the point of looking foolish in order that we may gain it all. It's worth it. It's worth it. And to Peter, he says, on this, I will build my church. This revelation as you see what God is doing before you. Come on. So this Friday, this is a total plug and an invitation. This Friday, we're going to continue to build a resource of our entrepreneurs community. We are launching Cren Coaching. So if you have signed up or if you haven't, get online, gocren.com and sign up this Friday, 9 a.m. to noon. We're going to be meeting here to launch our Cren Coaching. Is, is, Cren Coaching is to help navigate the intersections of family, work, and faith. So if you're interested in it, even to come and explore, come and be a part of it. So what else is God doing? You saw an ad for the greenhouse. The greenhouse, the discipleship school, it's not a the discipleship program. It's not a school of ministry or school of supernatural ministry. It is a call to gather young people, 18 to 30, to spend a season in the presence of God like Joshua spent in the tent, which transformed his life and brought him to the place of believing the Lord against giants to come into a new land. So if you're in that age range, don't think twice. I fully endorse this program. We're encouraging our, our children to be a part of it. These are things that we're already engaging in. And then when we get a prophetic word, you're coming into a new inheritance of transformation. That is the affirmation from heaven that we're on the right track. Together to transform. Greenhouse. What else? We're, we've been planning, we've been talking about starting an elementary school. We're going to wait till 2023, but that is also providing a safe place for young kids to come in, to be trained and raised up in a safe place, to be righteous citizens for the next generation. I was in, you think it's just local, but I was in Mexico uh, last month, first time in three years after COVID uh, restrictions, and I began to minister the first day and I call, did an altar call. You can put up the pictures from Mexico. That's their church in Saltillo, an hour from Monterey. And at the end of the, go to the next slide. That's me and a wonderful pastor. Go to the next slide. I call for an altar call and all of these people come to the front. You know, sometimes you think, oh, initially I was like lost in translation here. I know you look like you're all part of the church. So I talked to the pastor afterward. He said, no, all of them are new believers. They don't, the pastoral team don't know any of those people. Over 65 people came to the, gave their lives to the Lord in the first night. The next night we had an outdoor evangelism ministry and and we were, we, you know, we preached and we prayed and ministered. Again, another 40 plus people. This is people who came up to respond to the Lord and gave their lives to the Lord for salvation. 
And over three or four days, over 175 people were added to the church who gave their lives to God that day, that, that weekend. One of the testimonies here is uh, while, we were, while we were speaking, there was a lady in the back. This was an open square of the city. There was a lady in the back on the phone relaying what was being preached and translated to her husband who had left the house the day before. They were in a lot of turmoil. And she finds out that morning that her husband is going to end his life and commit suicide. So she's desperate. She comes here because she's desperate. She lives right stone's throw from where we're meeting. And she is on the phone with her husband and is literally you know, relaying what my interpreter is speaking. And by the end of that time, the husband gives, repents and gives his life to the Lord and they come to church the next day. One of the altar calls, I'm praying for a person with a curved back. You can see it and it pops in. I can feel the pop in my hand and he straightens up and gets healed. There's, an, there's a picture of this elderly couple. They were in the outdoor meeting. Two rows in, I'm preaching, you know, and I look, 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 I happen to see him. His eyes are just like red and like tears streaming down the whole time. This is a couple. They were in the outdoor meeting. There's tears streaming down. He's wiping his tears. I'm like, man, I'm preaching such a good word today. He's really getting touched. That's a good sign. So that really kept my heart encouraged the whole time. But at the end of it, when they came, I saw them come up for prayer and the pastor's daughter called me over. I went over and he said, can you pray for my eyes? I'm like, oh no. <laughs> You mean it, God wasn't touching you by what I was saying the whole time? He said he had a botched eye surgery, and his one eye was glazed over. You couldn't see the dark, the pupil, the retina of his eye. It was completely milky. He said, I'm completely blind in this eye as a result of that surgery. And the other eye was beet red and just tears from both eyes. He said, from the good eye, I can make out figures, and I, I won't bump into things because I know something's there. That's about as good as that eye is. So I'm like, okay, you know, goo gooby gook all over his eyes. And I'm like, let's close your eyes. <laughs> Lay hands on you. Let's pray. We prayed. And then he opened his eyes after a little bit. I said, do you feel anything? He said, well, my eyes are hurting a lot. But when you prayed, it started to burn. I'm like, oh no. Is that good? Is that, bad? Is, that bad? Is it getting worse? Are you going blind in the other eye? <laughs> What's happening? We prayed again. He said, nothing, it's still burning. I couldn't see any difference. So we prayed more and we just prayed a prayer of faith. Go home and I think God is, I think this is the Lord. I think that's the Holy Spirit doing something with your eye. So the next picture you can put up, he comes to church for the first time and he's completely healed, can see perfectly out of both eyes. Come on. I'm not talking this to build me up. I've never done that before. This is my first time. That's like kindergarten for me. I've never done this before. I've never seen that. Well, I have some other things. But I haven't seen this before. Thursday night, a man, there was like 300 people on the altar. I'm praying for everyone. There's no ministry team. I need to take teams with me. I pray for this guy. He waits till the very end. He's been crying the whole time like sobbing. So I go to him, just, I feel compassion. I don't even know what's going on. And he says, my wife, pray for my wife. She's not here. She can't come. She has stage four cancer. And she got, the, the doctors have given her a short time to live. And so I pray earnestly, more out of compassion than faith, but at the end, you know, faithfully making declarations and everything like that. And Sunday morning, he shows up. This was Thursday night. Sunday morning, he shows up. In between, they had a doctor's appointment. It was already scheduled. And they both show up. Put that picture of this couple Stage four cancer, Thursday night, Sunday morning. There is no trace of cancer in her body. Come on. 
I've never prayed. I've never prayed for somebody and, can, and seen cancer leave like that. So I talked to, and all the, the, the back coming up and the eyes healing. I said, what? And 175 people giving their lives to the Lord. I've been there five or six times to this church. And I asked the pastor, is this a new, are you guys in a new season? He says, no. Are you in a new season? I'm like, yes, I'm always in a new season. And so I began to understand there's a grace that is much bigger than us. That when we continue like the little boy with two, uh, five, five loaves and two fish, God is wanting to do always exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think according to the power that works in you. You have to bring the little power you think you have and be available and he will do a lot more. Thank you, Lord. Oh, there's so many more testimonies. So I want to speak this word over Life Center that we are in a season of acceleration and we are in a season of harvest. God is going to do something here exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ask or imagine. Life Center, we are in a season of harvest. Life Center, we are in a season of harvest. I will look. Come on. We are in a season of harvest for you and your family, a season of accelerated harvest, accelerated harvest, accelerated harvest. Come on, come on, come on. Let's give glory to the Lord. Let's say yes to him. A season of harvest, a season of harvest that we haven't planted. I did not plant these seeds, but we get to harvest it. Come on, Life Center. We didn't plant this, but we get to inherit it. Come on, come on for you, for your business, for your families. Thank you, Lord. Happy anniversary, Sarah. I pray for you, Sarah and I. I pray, I prophesy over myself. And Anne said this too, that the next 20 years will be greater, that he will draw us to depths and greater heights of his call. And we will continually be sold out for the purposes of God. Are you excited for a harvest season? Part of the Amos 9 passage is that some of these harvests that we come into, the reaping, we haven't planted them. You get to harvest it. And when there is an accelerated harvest, this harvest brings disruption to every naturally known paradigm of life and thinking. You see, God set the garden with its own laws. You plant one season, you water it, you nurture it, and there's an expectation that it would bear fruit, it would begin to sprout in another season. But when we recognize that God is doing something, it comes and disrupts the times that we are in. Accelerated harvest disrupts a natural process. Natural process alone can make you blind to the supernatural. Natural process of life can become so predictable that we begin to live like blind men. Week after week, season after season, year after year can make you blind to the realities of the supernatural. Thank you, Lord. And safety mechanisms masquerading as wisdom can make us blind to the extraordinarily supernatural movements that we're continually invited into. That's the space I want to live in. That's the space. If you're, if you're blind here, this is not anything negative, but a blind person, to, for them to live successfully, they have to, at least in their safe zone, in their home, they have to have everything exactly at the same place. When mom comes to help them and clean up the house, she's not allowed to move stuff. 
Some of them even bolt their furniture to the ground and to each other so nothing is off place so that they can walk around and do life as is expected. But God's calling us not to be living a life that is predictable and so set that we know how to function. What if he, he comes to a blind man's house and disrupts all of the furniture? That's what an accelerated harvest. Now do you still want to clap? Come on. I do. At the center of this harmonic ecosystem is the tree of life. And this tree is contrary to the natural atmosphere that God already established. One that produces fruit in every season. The tree of life produces fruit in every season. Not planting in a season later, but the tree of life is intended to disrupt the natural understanding of life, which he just, yesterday you did this. Just yesterday you gave us seasons and you day and night and you gave us a garden and how to tend the garden, how to take care of the garden. And then you put the tree of life that produces every day, every week, every month. And Psalm 1 says, you, should, you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Revelation says, bearing fruit every month. And Ezekiel says the same thing. Bearing fruit every month. We are called not to align ourselves with the way of life, whether it's family, home, business, children, future. We are called to live and look for the tree of life. Look for the nature and the function of the tree of life. Not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge of good and evil will tell you how this garden works. Hey, that's good. That's it. Can you imagine God's desire was for us not to know what is good and evil? We were not meant to know what is good, what is evil. We were meant to live in the bliss of the grace, of the abundance, of the tree of life that is supernaturally producing fruit in every season. I'll preach on that the next time I'm, I'm up. So I'll share this testimony and close with this. About 15, over 15 years ago, Sarah and I were leading the Joshua School here, and we went to Calcutta and connected with this wonderful couple and ministry, Pastor Deganto and Sister Lena, who are here with us, sitting next to Sarah. We went there once, ministered with them, went back to them a second time. Our kids were little uh, at that time. And from Cyprus, when we moved to Cyprus, we took another team and went went to minister with them for a week. And after many years, we stayed in touch on and off by email or Facebook and things like that. And then recently in the last couple of years, I found out that his daughters were here because of a increasing persecution in India because of political changes. And when that happens, extremists came to their church with guns on the altar, on the, on the podium, and disbanded the church. The church meet, is meeting at home at homes now, and every Sunday morning, Pastor Diganto preaches to his network of churches from here, sitting in, in outside Shaba Java, sitting outside, and he's preaching the word of God to a network of churches that are under heavy persecution. So when they moved, before coming to Life Center, when they moved, they were, their daughters were in this uh, exchange program housing in Sinking Springs, uh, past Reading somewhere, and... When you're prophetic, you know, a city, town like Sinking Springs doesn't really, is not attractive. 
And it just piqued my interest. Okay, I, I see the gravity of what's going on. Sinking Springs is not where you need to be. Just for that, on that grid. But then the situation was a little rough as well. And, uh, and, the, and they were here now because persecution had gotten even worse. And gangs showed up at their house and their, and their door. And when that happens, you know, it's, he's a Hindu convert. And, uh, and they usually target women and children. And, you know, you can imagine all sorts of things that they would do. So they're here escaping from persecution that is rising in different parts of India. And I asked them, I think, I think again, this was a sense. I think God wants to do, I know you're, you're fleeing because of the increase in persecution. I, I said, I feel that God would do something bigger while you're here. And would you consider moving to Harrisburg instead of Sinking Springs? On many levels. <laughs> there were kids were already in, in a Christian school there. A lot of provision that, you know, in an amazing way. They said, we're willing, but there's so many things that need to happen. Incidentally, at the same time, we were just signing on a house that we just bought on Braywood. So I talked to John and uh, Pastor John and Charles. And I said, could, we, could this be a provision for this family to move here and live at, at Braywood House? And they both and our board said overwhelmingly, yes, let's do it. I call Harrisburg Christian School. Midway through the school, they offer an amazing scholarship, including free lunches for their three children to attend. We're working through their religious visa process right now. A lot of that's going on. So I'm thinking, wow, God has done an amazing thing. He's brought them here out of persecution, not in Sinking Springs in Harrisburg. I'm just thinking they could come to services, be part of conferences. Heidi Baker prayed over you. Uh, who else? Andy Bird prayed over you. Every guest, I just want them to pray over them and see. I'm thinking like Heidi Baker's transformation here that God would do something. So a couple weeks into being living in Harrisburg, Pastor Diganto and their ministry is in northeast of India, Nepal, Bhutan, China, that borderlands. And they have ministry, they speak not just Hindi and Bengali, they speak Nepali language as well. And a lot of them, they have, they have school of power ministries for young people and, and they have actual elementary schools with 600 kids, 400, 600 children in different schools that they have raised up. <clears throat> all clearly sharing the gospel with them. So they speak the Nepali language. And he tells me, Chandi, I just found out that there are 30 to 40,000, 40,000 was their figure, 40,000 Nepali Hindus in the Harrisburg region with a concentration in Swatera Township. 17 years ago, when we were in the heat of Calcutta serving their ministry, we would never have guessed that God is at work to produce something here among us. So I want to show a couple of pictures. Recently, they got to meet wide open doors. He said, the field and the harvest is ripe. This is one of their main Hindu priests. And this is not, this looks like it could be somewhere in Nepal or something, but this is Dairy Street. Go ahead, go through the other pictures. There's one more picture. He's getting to know them. And they began to share, and he's, he's opened the door for Pastor Diganta to come and speak to him more. They already talked about faith and the exchange and all those things. Go ahead and play that video. Dairy Street, stones throw from here. What he was saying in the video was that as they began to talk, a lot of their ministry is in this town called Biratnagar. You could have maybe heard that word. And this priest is from Biratnagar. And he just, I know that place. I'm from there. And immediately established grace and favor for them. We are setting up 
is possible, has the potential to be a massive food outreach to this 40,000 large Nepali community. The harvest is right. They're out of their religious context of India and their great harvest is going to come in through this ministry. Come on. It's accelerated. So one, two, three weeks ago, maybe he called, we were talking, I go over and have lunch with them almost every week. Uh, and amazing Indian food. They served our whole staff with an Indian meal last month. And uh, he, uh, Pastor Digando calls me as a Chandi, can we get Nepali Bibles? So I'm like, oh, we can try. So I got online Nepali Bibles. I can't find anything but retail, $45 a Bible kind of thing. He was looking at his contacts. And then I figured I'd call one of our dear friends, Holly Malloy. Holly, raise your hand. Holly and her late husband, Kurt, have been faithful missionaries to Nepal for decades. And we've seen their, the fruit of their ministry. And so she was a reference. So I, I figured I'd, I don't have her number. I don't have her email. I know her on Facebook. So I got on Facebook. I have never called anybody on Facebook Messenger. Have you done that? I'm going to be that person. I'm going to cold call Holly on Facebook Messenger, audio call. So I called her and she picks up and says, hello. And I'm like, oh no, what's happening? Are you, are you okay? And she says, hey, it's past midnight here. I'm like, what do you mean? It was like the middle of the day. I said, what do you mean? She said, it's, I'm in Nepal. I said, where are you? She said, I'm in Nepal. I'm like, amazing. So, so Holly, we have this huge ministry. I'll explain it later. I'm calling. She said, why are you calling? What's going on? Is everything okay with you? And I said, well, is there any way we can get Nepali Bibles? And she said, when you come with you in your suitcase, put like 10 Bibles in it. If you can get your hands on 10, maybe 15 Bibles, put it. We'll take anything. If you get two Bibles, bring it. And she said, I asked her, when do you leave? She said, Chandi, I'm returning tomorrow morning. And the next day was a Nepali New Year, so everything was shut down. She said, but here's my contact in Nepal. Here's her number. Uh, you can reach out to her in the morning. So that was the end of our conversation. I said, I can't wait till morning. I'm going to reach out to her right now. So I, I text her, and she texts back. She's a sweet young girl. And I told her the situation. She said, I'll do whatever I can. So within two days... 60 Bibles land carried from Nepal all the way to Swatera Township in Harrisburg right at our front door. Come on. Come on. Come on. This is what accelerated harvest looks like. You don't have to plan it. You don't have to think how these things connect. God will do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or imagine. Let him do it. So this, they're out every day. Now the doors for individual families, they're every day they're going visiting with Nepali Hindus here, 30,000, 40,000 strong. Doors are swinging wide open. They're going in with the grace and favor of this harvest and they're sharing the gospel. We get to participate in it. So there is a need that they have. They're, they're using one of our families. Let them use their truck. They need a minivan, one for their family and one to, and, and the same vehicle to go daily door to door that, to support what God's doing. If you have resource for a vehicle, a minivan, a large truck, a bus, we will take it in order to reap this harvest that is among us. So come and talk to me or one of our team and we'll facilitate that. Thank you, Lord. The inheritance and seeds that we haven't sown is upon us to be a part of. Last week, I had a dream, and I'll close with this. I had a dream that I entered a laundromat. I have been asking God, give me dreams like Dylan has dreams. 
He was my disciple in the Joshua school. And now he's dreaming and inspiring me with his dream. I'm like, all right, the challenge is on. Not really. I'm inspired. I'm like, Lord, give me dreams like his. So I get one. I'm, I, enter, I enter a laundromat. And as I enter, I realize I had just bought this laundromat. And I'm thinking in the dream, what on earth am I going to do with a laundromat? And I'm looking around, brand new machines all around. I don't know what to do with it. And that's the end of the dream. I, usually I'll tell Sarah the dreams, but this had no, made no sense, no connection. I teach on dream interpretation. We, we do for 15, 16 years. I can't make sense of this. I'm like, oh, I'll just let it sit. Last Wednesday, we're returning from church and we never take this route. We ended up taking Dairy Street route to our house the first time that we're doing this. And I'm driving past on Dairy Street, make a right, and I notice a laundromat. It was there all along. I've never noticed it, but because I had a dream, I noticed it. I'm like, oh, a laundromat, just like in my dream. Again, keep driving. That was, that was Monday night, actually, during the, after the uh, last Monday after the high school student's prayer. Tuesday morning, I get to church, and we have our weekly pastor's prayer meeting, and David's praying. We're all praying different things. David prayed about God, the inheritance here on this property, the family that was here, faith farmers who prayed uh, for revival, and we're participating. We're, we're harvesting those seeds of, of early, many generations of faithful prayers, and, and we go on, and Charles comes up and says, not only that, the Strowman's bread factory across the highway was used by Oral Roberts, and there were renewal, revival meetings, healing meetings that went on for many, many days maybe weeks, I don't know how long. And not only that, there was Luke, was Luke Weaver. They started, he was a farmer and he encountered the Lord while he was out on his farm. And he spoke, he began to speak in tongues and had an encounter. And he went and told his people and he got kicked out of his church denomination and started meeting at home. They all began encountering the Lord and they started their first Calvary Chapel, Grace Chapel, Grace Chapel in, on Derry Street. I'm like, my antennas go up Dairy Street because this ministry, there are different names. The, the name of this ministry of Pastor Diganto and the Nepali people is the Dairy Street Project. I love that name. And then Charles says, they started a church on Dairy Street. I'm like, okay. So Charles is still praying. I get on Google and I research Luke Weaver, uh, Grace Chapel, Dairy Street, First Church. You know, and I look it up and it has a beautiful article that describes all of their, what God did. And it has the address of that, of the church as well, when they first started. You know what the address is? The laundromat. Come on. Come on. There's a grace of inheritance right now that are generations old. Generations, come on, stand to your feet. The grace of inheritance that are generations old that we haven't sown or spent time or sacrificed time or resources that we as a faithful company, we get to participate in that harvest. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let the plowman overtake the reaper, whatever that, however that plays out. Thank you, Lord. In everything that we're doing, family to family, your business, take your mindset and the way of thinking out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and look to the tree of life where there's an accelerated grace for us. Thank you, Lord, that bears fruit in every season. 
Any stats that you look at for anything will give you stats based on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There are no stats that can give you information and confidence like the stats of the tree of life that we have access to in God. We are not called life center for no reason. Life center. Life center. I should turn it on. Life center. Life center. Life center. The center of life and life center with the tree of life sprouting and bearing fruit. I see the branches of the tree of life extending over your family, extending over your household, extending over the branches, the shade. What does it feel like to sit under the shade of the tree of life? What does it feel like to sit under the shade of this tree that produces fruit in every season? Thank you, Lord. So I invite you, there is a call. I feel the grace and the faith of God here among us. If you want to be part of this new era, this inheritance of transformation, under the, in the shade of the tree of life, come up to the front. Let's just move into this together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So wherever you go, like it happened to me, Mike Unst, you were with the team preaching in Mexico just a couple of weeks ago. So salvations, deliverances, healing. There's more for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh, it's not a plan. It's not a strategy. It's a willing heart and a daring spirit. Thank you, Lord. Just put your hands out in whatever way, fashion. Young, young people here, we call you into a life bound to the heart of God. Bound to the heart of God. Your dreams, your desires, bound to the heart of God. We move in as a church in the season, God. Ministry team, you can come and just bless the people that are here as you're able. We move in as a church into harvest. The Smucker family, we bless you to come into greater things that you haven't considered until now. We bless, we bless your family. We bless the months ahead. We bless this birth process that you will come into a new birth that it will be supernatural in the months ahead for you. Thank you, Lord. Inheritance, 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 Chris, inheritance, 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 righteous inheritance. Woo, I see inheritance that are... Okay, I see inheritance. I see inheritances that are not natural part of your family. This is for Chris, but also grab a hold of it. Inheritances that cross paths into you because you said I'm available. Inheritances that come from another family line into you because you an overflow because you said you're available. There is no limit in God's flow of inheritance. We tap into purely the endlessness of God's design and plan for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amos, I bless you. There's an inheritance out of the land, out of this land, out of the Lancaster region. There's an multiple inheritance. Yeah, about multiple inheritances. Multiple because you have been childlike in your pursuit of God with a heart that dares to believe God for the impossible. Thank you, Lord. Your numbers will not make sense. Your heart will believe things, will lead you to believe things that will make you frightened, but trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just ask the Lord yourselves. Thank you, Lord. We enter in. 
we enter in, me and my family, we enter into this supernatural inheritance of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Abby, you've prayed, Abby and Jim, you've prayed and lived this out of this tree of life, this healing tree that will impact the nations of the world. Thank you, Lord. All of the young people here, I speak to your hearts to be bound to the heart of God. As you seek your future, rest in peace that he has a perfect plan designed for you. Paul and Sindhu, I speak over you right now. In Jesus' mighty name, there will be the peace of God that comes over both of your bodies to bring you into the fruit that he desires and you desire in the Lord. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Woo! In Jesus' name. So speak over Life Center. That this is a season that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. We are literally on a hill right now and we are meant to overflow hilltop. That The increase that comes on a hilltop flows down into the city. So we bless our surrounding cities. We bless Harrisburg as the capital of the Keystone State of Pennsylvania. We thank you for these elections that are coming up. We thank you that there will be a river of righteousness that flows into the election process. Every vote, every dream, every desire, every candidate will be handpicked in the season for a harvest that you have been preparing. In Jesus' name, we thank you for our nation. We lift our holy hands for the state of Pennsylvania. We thank you, Lord, for righteous governance in the days and weeks and months to come and the years to come. We thank you for our nation that you would do something that would astound the nations and the wisdom of mankind, God. We thank you that there is still a tree of life that speaks on our behalf. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Parents, please pick up your children. Thank you, Lord. Come on, enter in. By faith. By faith, enter in. By faith, enter in. Whatever your circumstances, by faith, as you walked up, as you stepped up, if you're in your seats, by faith, enter in. We don't have to know it. God, I'm here. I step near this tree of life. That's all I need. I just direct my heart to this tree of life, and there is everything that I need. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the Wendrick family. God, we thank you. We thank you for accelerated increase. Woo, mighty men in your camp. There are mighty men in your camp. There are mighty men in your household. Thank you, Lord. You will multiply through your mighty men. All of your dreams and all of the efforts and all of the praying and all the longing for things around you will be multiplied through your children. Thank you, Lord. And so we just draw them into the accelerated process. We draw them as a family. Thank you, Lord. And Maxine, wherever you are, we bless you as a couple in Jesus' name. Thank you for Grace and Jeremy. I thank you for their life in this season, God. We thank you for accelerated direction and clarity. God, we thank you for right language, right words to drop. God, we thank you that things would align in a very clear way. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for what is ahead. Write it down right now where you are in 2022 so that you can look back and say, look what the Lord has done. Thank you, Lord. 
We bless your business in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 I feel electricity going up and down my body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. God, we thank you that there's a stop to curses that have been on your family generationally. Thank you, Lord. See, when the inheritance gets stronger, when the stream of inheritance gets strong, it dilutes and it, it shatters every other influence that has been set to destroy you and bring you pain. Thank you, Lord. So if you're in that, in that, in that place, ask the Lord, come flow through me. Inheritance of God, flow through me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. New Wave Ministries and everybody associated with it, we bless. We bless your faithfulness that has, that has sown into the soil of this region. We bless it. And we ask for fruit that is much beyond what you sowed. We thank you for your children, that they will come into inheritances of God because of your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I invite you to stay in this place. God's doing something really special. Minister team will come around. You're dismissed to go. Go in the peace of God. Go carrying the presence of God. Go carrying the tree, the nature of the tree of life with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We were singing about it earlier, the secret place. Go under the cool of the secret place of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Feel free to pick up your children. May this week be significantly different for you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, stay as long as you want up here at the altar. Just receive from the Lord and engage with God freely, whether someone prays for you or not. God's doing something special.